Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I really appreciate you spending some time uh, talking, uh, listening to me talk sports. And today, I'm joined by a special guest, friend of the show, had him on before, Tristan Thomas. You're going to hear his interview uh, soon later on in this episode. Uh, always great talking to uh, Tristan about uh, basketball and Milwaukee Bucks and sports in general. In today's episode, we talk Milwaukee Bucks and um, the first half of the season, what to expect in the second half of the season. We, we, we also talk some uh, Marquette's Golden Eagle basketball and Wisconsin Badgers basketball as well with the NCAA tournament coming and mostly with Marquette. Uh, how much longer is Wojo going to be at Marquette? And is it time to move on from a uh, coaching decision at Marquette? So it was great talking to Tristan about basketball and going to have him on shortly uh, in the next few weeks to talk some football. Green Bay Packers, NFL with free agency right around the corner. Um, so also following the interview, I will talk um, Packers decisions not to franchise. Uh, Aaron Jones and what that means for the Packers in the upcoming free agency in the NFL draft. How big of a need does that put at running back? And also talk about the uh, salary cap, which has been set at, uh, well, not officially, but sounding like it's going to be set at $182.5 million, which for the Packers and with uh, last year's carryover is one eighty six, and gives the Packers about $9 million over the cap. So with that said, I now bring you my interview with uh, Tristan and I hope you enjoy and stick around uh, following that interview where I talk some Green Bay Packers. So I'm now joined uh, by guests I haven't had on since the beginning of the basketball season, right before I want to say training camp started. Uh, We talked then the Bucks had just made a move for Drew Holiday and then had a, a move Another move we thought they had done, but things came up and it didn't come through. But now we're going to talk Milwaukee Bucks halfway point through the season. And uh, just at this time, introduce our guest, Tristan uh, Thomas. Thank you so much for coming on and joining me uh, once again here on Talking Sports with Evan. Well, anytime, Evan, man. You, you, you're my main man. I appreciate you having me back on. And, and you are absolutely right. It was a move that they thought they had done. And they ended up having it collapse on them. PTSD. Thanks. <laughs> now, are we mad at Wojo for that? That Wojo bomb? Or is there more to it than why it didn't come through? Because obviously then we heard all the talks about tampering and allegations of tampering and whatnot. Um, what, what in your mind happened with that move? And I guess where do you think the Bucks would be if that move for Bogdan Bogdanovich did happen? Uh, are we mad at Woj for that? A little bit. Are we mad at uh, somebody within the organization talking before it was done? Yes. Are we mad at the NBA for bringing about bogus tampering charges? Yes, <laughs> we absolutely are. But uh, given where they are uh, without Bogdanovich, which is a piece that I thought everyone felt would complete the puzzle, would get them over the hump of their past playoff failures over the past two seasons, uh, getting them into an NBA Finals and, and potentially winning a championship. Uh, they're 22 and 14. They're in third place in Eastern Conference, whereas Atlanta is not. They're probably going to be fighting for the fight in tournament spot. 
Bogdanovich has been injured most of the season. So I think all's well that ends okay. Yeah, I I can agree with that. He would have been nice to have, um, but I guess I know depth is a little bit of a concern, but if you do a Bogdanovich, you likely are even thinner depth-wise because of that trade that didn't happen. You know, they did get Brent Forbes, who had a really nice game uh, uh, not too long ago. Torrey Craig, who for some reason is not in the rotation as much as we thought he was going to be. And uh, and uh, DJ Augustine, who coming off the bench, he hasn't been great, but being in the starting lineup, he seemed to have played better recently. I guess if they do trade for Bogdanovich, and I forget the other guy that was included, I guess the Bucks would have even worse depth issues right now. And, and you know, and, and the thing is, like, this, this team is still a bit – there are games where the bench is non-existent. And, and that's even with yeah. career high shooting from three from Brent Forbes, career high shooting from three for Bobby Portis, who's averaging 11 and seven off the bench. Let's not forget about him being in all of that. You're absolutely correct about DJ Augustine. He's been inserted into that starting lineup when Drew Holiday was out fighting COVID. Um, and he has played a bit better, but we all know he's going to be relegated to the bench. So he's got to figure that part out, part of it out. Um, so you're still kind of you know, depth. I think they traded the depth for being top-heavy and having pieces off the bench that could potentially stretch out leads as opposed to just hanging on to them. Because we know the starters are going to go in to do work. Giannis should be an MVP candidate, but we all know that they're going to hold last year against them. Uh, you know, Chris Middleton, one of the more elite players in the NBA, doesn't get the credit for it. We understand that. Drew Holiday is as advertised. But I, I think John Horst decided that, okay, we had all the depth in the world over the past two seasons, and it didn't get us anywhere. So we kind of have to try something different. So as long as those guys that come off the bench continue to shoot the way they have, play the way they have, and show up more times than not, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. The bench definitely has to get more consistent because it's really been Bobby Portis and then um, everybody else has been uh, inconsistent, I guess is a good way to put it, inconsistent. And kind of what I talked about last week when I talked about things I would like to see from the Bucks in the second half of the year because and I had this I had this conversation with a guy I used to work with regarding the Bucks. He in his mind the Bucks defense is just totally atrocious. They're awful. They're they're bad. And I never said they're good. My word was is they're inconsistent. Which some games like you look at the uh, Clipper game, when it mattered most they shut the Clippers down. And then against the Nuggets they can't you know stop it. It couldn't make a shot either. But inconsistent was my word like the very inconsistent, very Jekyll and Hyde-ish. That's what I want to see second half of the season. Um, going into the second half of the season, what is something um, that you would like to see? Yeah, and, and I've mentioned this on Toss, actually just this week, um, that you use the key word that I use. They need to be – I need to see good consistency and balance. So they need to be more consistent defensively. Um, Mike Boonholz still likes to employ that drop defense. Uh, we know with, and, and I have also said before, in the NBA, shooting is no longer a premium. It is the norm. So you can't just go out there and expect to cover one guy who is just absolutely lethal from out there. You have to cover one through four out there that can stretch that court. So it, it, you're going to have nights where teams are going to make career highs or franchise highs from three, and you're going to have to live with that. And I think Boonholzer is comfortable with doing that. But in turn, 
it's cost you some games. So they have to find a little bit more consistency, uh, especially when they're employing that drop defense, which I don't like to talk about because it angries up my blood because everybody has it figured out, and, mm-hmm. and it sends me back to the Jason Kidd days. But I digress. Um, if we need more balance out of that bench as well, more consistent performances out of them, we can't have games where they're scoring single digits. Uh, I don't like to see that. But, yeah, consistently good and they, in, in balance for me. Yeah, and talk about the bench, and I brought him up uh, sooner uh, with uh, Craig, and he just, for some reason, I, I know he had the broken nose, I want to say, during the, the uh, training camp games or the preseason, or it was really early in the regular season, one or the other, but he just can't seem to get in the rotation, but yet we see, you know, Pat C., who not as bad as people say he is, but he has his deficiencies that some teams can easily exploit. Um, Rotation-wise, what do you want to see uh, tightening up more rotations from the bench? Do you want to see more Thanasis and uh, more Craig or uh, Patsy? Because obviously come playoff time, they got to shrink that down a little bit. But why do you think Craig has not been getting – the, the the minutes consistently, and where do you think he fits on this team? Is he a trade piece in a few weeks, or is he going to get more minutes later on? Uh, uh, let me just say this. Get out of my head, man. You are reading my thoughts <laughs> verbatim. Everything I mentioned on Toss, you just mentioned and in, in, in setting up that question. Um, Torrey Craig is an elite defender. Let, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's be 1,000% clear on this. Casuals will not know what Torrey Craig brings to the court, but if you watched Denver's playoff run last season, even before they got into the bubble, you will know how much of an impact and how elite of a defender Torrey Craig is. How that man is not in the rotation under Mike Budenholzer, who claims to preach defense, is beyond me. And it is one of those infuriating rotational moves that really gets on the nerves of a lot of people when it comes to Mike Budenholzer. He does need to tighten up that rotation. He does need to realize that some of the guys that he's bringing off the bench before others do not deserve that time, and he needs to utilize the talent he has in certain situations. I don't want to see Pat Connaughton on a guy like Kawhi. Or Zion. That's not going to work. And it's proven not to work. So you kind of have to look at what personnel you have as the head coach, because that is your job, and put this team in the best position to succeed. The best position for these guys to succeed is putting the proper players on the court in those certain situations. He has to be better at doing that. Yeah, he definitely does have to be. And uh, I guess perfect person to talk bring up now is Bootenholzer. Um, is there any way he doesn't finish the season in your mind as head coach I, I don't see too many options that he, they, unless they have another long losing streak I don't see too many options that you know too many pathways that he's not the head coach at the end of the year and if they don't have playoff success especially uh, early on in the playoffs are they looking for a new head coach next year I think there is zero chance that 
he gets fired in the season. There's, there's no way. I think he's 100% locked in, and his fate, I think, falls on the Bucks' playoff success this season. If he goes into another series and gets flat-out outcoached when he has personnel that he could utilize to get better results, um, it's, it's, that's third strike. You know, we, we, we've, we've had his first year when he made the, the Eastern Conference Finals, and it was a heartbreaker. Uh, you know, it, it could have gone either way. You, you had your chances to win, but you didn't. Uh, the second season, you lose in the semifinal, you know, to the Heat, who, who did make the NBA Finals. People seem to forget that from their play this season, but they have, they're the defending Eastern Conference champions, folks. Don't forget that. But you made a lot of errors in that series as well. Uh, even leading up to that, the whole bubble experience, even the few games before the bubble, they were not really their usual dominant selves. So his fate falls in the playoffs. If they come out and have an early exit, second round, first round, I think that's a wrap for my Gloomholzer. Yeah, and you are right that they weren't their usual dominant self leading into the bubble, but I guess at the same time, about this time last year, they were also about Giannis, who got hurt uh, in a heartbreaking loss to the Lakers, where game really could have went either way, uh, pretty much down to the wire. Now, I would have thought going into the bubble with, you know, the Bucks would have been the team that benefited the most for the fact that now they're getting a fully healthy Giannis, but and didn't end up happening. So what do you need to see? What do you think we need to see from the Bucks in order to make that run back to the Eastern Conference Finals and try to get into the NBA Finals, or with the way Brooklyn has stacked their roster and the 76ers seem to have uh, found a whole new life on their dock, is it just probably too big of a hill to climb? All you got to do is make that tournament. You, you make that tournament, anything can happen. Um, look, I, I, I said this team was, was incomplete. That was my, my grade that I gave them. I gave them an I. Over the, cross of the, the, over the course of the first half of the season just because we don't know what type of team they really are. I don't, I don't really feel that this team has a true identity. I think they're trying to find a multitude of ways to win, which is great, which is, is a lot of the, the team, Giannis and Chris and, and Pat, they feel like it's getting prepared for playoff battles. It's going to make them a better team in the long run, and it may possibly do that. Um, but you need to be a bit more consistent, as we spoke about earlier, with rotation. You need to be more consistent uh, with that bench. We, we need to see better performances out of them on a more consistent basis. And, and the defense has to find a way to get back to, to being one of the top defenses in the NBA that just have not had that. And you have to utilize the talent you have. A guy like Torrey Craig can help you do that in order to get back to that level. Yeah, and I would say the benefit of Bud this year is he's been more open to trying new things. And that's always been the criticism is he doesn't make adjustments. Well, they are trying new things this year, which I think is a good yeah. thing. But that, I think that's part of the reason why we see the inconsistencies because they want to go back into old habits. And I guess one of my biggest concerns moving forward into the season, and I think he's a stand-up guy on the team, good locker room presence, um, can still bust his hump uh, most nights, but he seems to have aged very quickly, is Brooke Lopez. Um, do you see them, because I know they played Giannis at the five more often, 
Bobby Portis has been getting more minutes lately, especially later in games over Lopez. Is that something you continue to see? Lopez get less and less minutes, and those minutes kind of go to Portis and Giannis at the five? Or is, do you see anyone that they could try to make a trade for, the buyout market, or are they kind of stuck with what they got? I, I honestly think they, they have their eyes on, on the buyout market. I mean, John Horst has proven to be a guy who has his eyes on, on a lot of different things, um, some things that maybe we don't even see. I mean, I didn't see them looking at that Brent Forbes at all. And, and here he is, you know, uh, I didn't know they were going to be even looking at Bobby Portis, but yet here he is. So I think they have their eyes and their finger on the pulse of everything. It, it certainly seems like they're going to go to Bobby Portis a bit more than Brooke Lopez. Like you said, it, he seems to have age, but is that uh, his, his play hasn't been what it has been over the first two seasons. Uh, I mean, that's clear to see, but is that because that they're trying new things and he's really not, meshing with those new things is it that he's aged i mean it, it, it's perplexing I'll, I'll tell you that much but I, I think they want to unlock the Giannis at the five lineup lineups a lot more i think it's it's something that's going to be key especially in the playoffs because he's going to have so many mismatches there's not going to be a lot of guys that can match up with them in that position and he, he honestly can dominate um so it, i think we'll see a lot more of that and whether or not Lopez gets traded, whether or not we, we see less and less of them, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm very curious. Another guy I'm very curious about, and I'm wondering if he's this year's version of Christian Wood, because um, now he's on the active roster, is from Virginia, and I, I, I'm not going to do his name any justice, but Mamidi Diukutai, um, he's been pretty – dominant at the G League, and now he's on the roster. Do you see him? You know, he's a big body, 6'9", 228, uh, a bigger five option that they have uh, when they do go small ball with Giannis. Is he someone you see contributing in the second half of the season, or is it going to be like Christian Wood, where we wonder why he never gets into the rotation? Yeah, I mean, they barely put Torrey Craig in the rotation. When they decided to call him up from the, uh, from the Orlando G League team, um, the Lakeland Magic, I believe, uh, the Lakeland Magic, I believe it is, Mamandi, um, yeah, I said, okay. There we go. You know, I'm like, I'm like, honestly, I'm like, okay, that's great, but are they going to use him? You know, like, great, you recall, recall them. Are you going to use him? The same thing with Sam Merrill. The same thing with Jordan Wara. Are you going to utilize these guys? These guys all have talent, and I get it. They're young. You know, the other two that I mentioned are rookies. I mean, at some point, you have to let them get to run to see if they're going to be able to help you in a playoff situation. And you, it just this is one of the things that frustrates me a little bit about Boone Holes, the fact that you do have all this talent. And granted, there's not enough minutes to go around. But you could split some of those minutes that you're giving those guys that you're not getting a lot out of right now currently to see what you have in those guys when you're trying to figure everything out. So it's, it's great they called them up, and I think you are correct. It may go the same way that a Christian Wood went, which I'm still hurt. You know, I love watching him in Oshkosh with the herd. The guy is just an absolutely dominant player um, when given the time, and you see what he's doing in Houston. Unfortunately, he's been hurt. But you could call him up, and everybody could be excited, but I highly doubt that they'll see the court unless it's a blowout. Yeah, I, I hope he, they, they do get him in, but I'm the kind of fear the same thing that 
blowouts one way or the other is probably we're going to see him, especially early on. Positive thing going into tomorrow, um, you know, at date of recording is March 10th. The Bucks starts again tomorrow. Only player on the injury report is Jordan Nora with that uh, ankle. Everyone else is listed as healthy, which it's cool to see going into the Knicks game tomorrow, which have been a bit of a surprise being 19 and 18 at this point. Um, the East right now is one through eight, 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Knicks, the Heat, the Hornets, and the Raptors. What are your thoughts on the Eastern Conference as a whole? Um, obviously, Brooklyn, KD, Harden, Kyrie, and now who knows what he's got left in the tank, but Blake Griffin. And now 76ers have been rumored to be interested in uh, uh, getting the uh, point guard from uh, Toronto um, and adding him to their roster. Um, Lowry, who's past couple postseasons have played pretty good, pretty well. What are your thoughts on the Eastern Conference, especially the top half, with the Nets and the Celtics and the uh, 76ers? Honestly, it's stacking up exactly the way that I thought it would. You know, I, I knew the Bucks would be anywhere between one through three or at least in the upper half of the Eastern Conference, and I knew there could be a bunch of teams at 500, around 500, uh, you know, hovering over 500, under 500 that were going to be in there and be in that play-in range because, remember, we have that play-in tournament for seeds 7 through 10 coming up in May. Um, so it, it's shaping up exactly the way I thought it will be. The, the top is going to be very, very tough. The bottom, you know, can they pull off an upset? I don't know. But it's typical Eastern Conference basketball right there. The only team that I'm shocked about being in that range in the playoffs currently, if they were to begin today, are the New York Knicks. I did not see them coming along the way they have this season. I thought maybe a couple of seasons they would be there, but so far so good for those guys. Yeah, and do you see a, a Blake Griffin who really has not looked good at all since he's been in Detroit? Do you see him having any kind of a positive impact for Brooklyn, or are they getting a broken-down Blake Griffin? I'll, 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 I'll tell you like this. It's amazing what being around other great players can do for a guy who was looked at as a great player. It's, it's, he, he's really expanded his game from being just a dunker. Everybody remembers Blake Griffin for all the dunks that he did. You know, Lob City out in, in, in Los Angeles with the Clippers. And, and then when he went to Detroit, and he had a couple of good years with Detroit. But as of late, it's just not been there for them. Uh, they've been really downtrodden and, and uh, really laughable basketball out of them, uh, even, maybe even more so than the Knicks. It's going to be amazing what this does for Blake Griffin. He's a guy who's diversified his game. He can shoot a little bit. Uh, he, he's always been able to rebound. He's learned how to pass the basketball. He's become a really good passer. And, and that's exactly what Brooklyn is going to need. They're, they're going to need a guy who, who can make a shot. They're going to need a guy who can pass the basketball. Uh, and, and Blake Griffin is bringing that to them. So I think he still has a little some in the tank. He's only 31 years old. You know, it, it's not like he's, you know, 38, you know, trying to go and ring chase. He's 31. He could still bring a little bit to the table. And we've got two former NBA MVPs, a guy who's been an NBA champion, uh, you know, another guy who's been an NBA champion. Uh, it's just going to unlock some things in your game and do some real, real good for your team. Yeah. Um, 
You talked about a horse is probably going to be definitely looking at that buyout market and an early name that is either going to be available via trade or buyout market. Um, Aldridge has already been put on that. Um, anyone in particular you see in that potential buyout market that the Bucks realistically could go after? So like Marcus Aldridge, for example, is he a guy that can contribute or is he just going to be more like a, a Lopez who looks like he's lost some, uh, some, uh, some foot speed that he's never really had a ton of to begin with, but it looks like he's lost what he had. <laughs> right. Right. Um, no one in particular, because like I said, horses has kind of shown himself to be kind of a wild card. Uh, I remember speaking with this, with, with, uh, with Eugene Pitchford the third, uh, you know, Professor T as I affectionately call him, uh, on home court sports years ago when he became the GM, uh, John Horst did. And I said, he's really the X factor because he doesn't really have a, a huge reputation around the league for what kind of a guy he is, what kind of deals will he try to draw up and what kind of deals will he go for? So he's, he's more, he's a lot like David Stern, you know, president of, 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 of baseball operations for the Brewers. He has his finger on the pulse with just about everything. John Horst to me is that same type of guy. So a guy like, uh, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who just got on the market today. Um, I think they'll take a look at him. I like Rudy Gay. I think they'll take a look at him. Um, it, 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 I mean, if, if anything happens with DeMar DeRozan, I mean, I think they'll take a look at him as well. Um, so I think he just has his finger on the pulse of everything. He's going to be looking at a, a lot of different players, and it's probably going to be somebody that's not even on anybody's radar as far as coming to the Bucks. Like Paul Gasoli a couple years ago, and nobody really – I right. think he was on my radar, and all of a sudden the Bucks signed him on the bio market. Fortunately, he got hurt, and you couldn't really help out much. But <laughs> yeah, the ankle injury that could never heal, unfortunately, I guess. So, um, I want to jump to the college game really quick. I'm not sure how much you follow the, you know, Wisconsin uh, or Marquette or whatever, but just want to get your thought. Uh, Marquette loses first round Biggie's tournament. Um, haven't had the success they've been uh, expecting to have since they brought in uh, Wojo. Um, they were expecting, I think, and I can't speak for Marquette, but I'm thinking they're expecting closer to what Coach K has done at Duke, but he's not even giving them what Tom Crean or uh, Buzz Williams gave them. Is that do you see them moving on from uh, Wojo at all, or does he uh, does uh, does he should he or does he get another season to I guess try to prove that he could be a coach at at Marquette? Yeah, yeah, I, I've been dreadfully following <laughs> the, the, the college season for both the men and the women. Congratulations to the women's team. Uh, Marquette Golden Eagles women's team. Uh, I wish they would have won the Big East championship, but unfortunately yeah. they didn't. But they, I think they're firmly in the UConn's field. in the Big East, so that wasn't going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, with Paige, Paige goes the all the way deal. she did. <laughs> yeah, when she goes all the way she did, I mean, there's, I mean, there's no stopping them. But the fact that they had one hell of a season, I mean, you know, you hats off to them. They, they're, they, they've been really consistent over the past few years, just getting there and, and just being a real force in the, in the Big East. But to answer your question about Marquette and, and and Woj, um, Wojo. Um, college is funny. 
Because in the pros, if, if, if you take a big regression like that, chances are you're probably going to be fired and, and possibly midseason. With college, I mean, all signs point to them, Marquette, letting him go, um, you would think, in a conventional wisdom, if it was like a pro team. But since it's college, I think I would not be surprised if they gave him another year and say, okay, you lost a bunch of players. You lost a guy like Marcus Howard you know, who gave you all the scoring in the world, right? And you're retooling your team. You didn't have the – coronavirus was rampant. You know, it, it was embarrassing to lose in the first round. You're talking about a team that had, what, 14 points at the half in their Big East tournament game today against a defense that was ranked in the 200s in the nation in Georgetown. I mean, and a team that was far worse in record than you. So it was an embarrassing display. I would not be surprised if they brought him back for another year, but there's been a large regression uh, with, this, with this squad, and, and you really haven't found the footing that you thought you would. It may be time to move on from him, but, again, it's college and it's weird. Yeah, and I, and I brought up two of the guys, like two people before him, Tom Crean and Marquette. He went. Uh, 190 and 96, and never had a record below 500 or even 500. You know, Buzz Williams at 139 and 69, better than I realized he did at Marquette. I uh, didn't realize Buzz was such a good coach at Marquette. And yeah. he uh, went to the uh, NCAA tournament every year except his final season. Tom Crean went uh, a couple of seasons he missed, but Wojo. Uh, 128 and 94, including uh, 13 and 13 this season, 13 and 19 as first season, and only two NCAA tournament appearances. So brutal. It has yeah. not been I, I'm what kind people of, have expected. I'm a loss of words here. <laughs> and it's like you said, I think some people were expecting, oh, well, he's, he's been under Coach K for this long. He played on the wrong. He's, he's been, uh, you know, an assistant with them. He should have that, you know, that, 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 that rub off on him, right? Like, you're, he's bringing Duke to the Midwest. He's bringing Duke to Milwaukee. It's like, no, he's a completely different guy. He's got completely different philosophies. It, it's, going, it's not going to be Duke. He would love for it to be that way, to have that type of success. But it doesn't automatically translate because you've been under a Hall of Fame coach who has won multiple national championships. It, it just does not rub off like that. Yeah, and, you know, Marquette expects, if they were to move on from Ojo, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to expect uh, a big-name coach willing to come in and do it. I know Shaka Smart has uh, a name that popped up before. I don't think he wanted to leave at the time, Virginia Commonwealth, well, but um, now he's at Texas. But Ojo got the job. Is that a job where you see a big-name coach going to? and staying around or they just have to maybe hire the next up and comer like uh, Ryan up in uh, UW Green Bay or uh, Baldwin in Milwaukee and hope that they are able to, you know, develop at the, the bigger, you know, university. Yeah. I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they're going to have to go with the next up and up and coming coach. Uh, I think they're going to have to, I don't know what big name is going to want to really take on this job. I mean, the, the thing is, like, you, you have to have had some sort of recent consistent success. 
And as you mentioned, Wojo made, what, two NCAA tournaments? I mean, that's not, you know, that's, that's not something that uh, would set up a big-name antennas to come out of their head to kind of have their eyes on that type of a job. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not something where – I, I guess what I'm trying to say is a big name would feel like they would have to come in and build completely from scratch. And I don't know too many big names that want to do that. They want to have a team that's kind of had consistent success. They could come in and put their imprint on it, but they've kind of already had consistent success. And Marquette has not had that. So I think they'll be able to attract up-and-comers. I don't know if they're going to be able to attract too many big names. Yeah, but anytime you go with the young up-and-comer, you had in the same situation you potentially had with Williams and Green, who in their mind, and obviously I don't think Virginia Tech was a bigger job than Marquette at all, but you then you get the coach that's looking for that potential next job um, anytime you hire a nice up-and-comer. So Wisconsin, the uh, Big Ten tournament starting up, um, started the season strong and faded towards the end and the game against Iowa and not going to go into a lot of, but that was just probably one of the worst officiated games I've seen in a while. Um, Wisconsin, a veteran team, they're going up up against teams in the NCAA tournament that doesn't know their style. Could you realistically see them stealing a few victories and making a deep run in March or are they uh, not getting past opening weekend? I'll, I'll give them opening weekend. And I think there's some people judging by Wisconsin's record. And like you said, that, that game on Sunday was the worst officiated. Big Ten officials continue to find a way to just lower the bar for officiating. It does not matter what the sport is. It could be football. It could be basketball. They just find new and inventive ways to just be atrocious. But I digress. Um, they're firmly in the field, I think, because the yeah. rule for me that I've noticed when it comes to the Big Ten, if you are over 500 overall and you win double-digit games in that conference, you're firmly into the field. That means Rutgers is going to make it this season. So <laughs> that, that, that goes to show you how difficult the Big Ten and how good the Big Ten actually has been this season. Uh, obviously, I don't think they're going to beat the likes of, a, of an Iowa or an Illinois or a Michigan if they head up with them in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but, you know, it's, you know I, I, I digress. I think they'll get past um, at least the first game. I don't know if they'll make it out of the complete opening weekend of the NCAA tournament just because they've been heckle and jive, uh, heckle and, uh, Jekyll and Hyde excuse me, all season. You just don't know <laughs> what just combining you're going the two. to get. Yeah, just combining the two. You're just mashing them up. Because <laughs> that's really the metaphor for what this team has been. You just don't know who you're going to get. You know, it, it's just – it's, it's maddening inconsistency. They found a way to win double-digit games in the conference and be over 500 overall. But I don't know uh, if it's going to be conducive to being able to, to, to get that spark to start the flames and, and make a, a run in the NCAA tournament. But, again, that's why they call it March Madness. And we just talked about Wojo, and uh, now talk about uh, Greg Gard. Do you see him being uh, – because they got a pretty solid recruiting class coming in. Um, do you see Greg Gard being uh, that guy to uh, lead this team uh, to the level of success Bull Ryan had them at? Or is it time for Wisconsin to start maybe looking uh, to who could be next? I know the women's coach is uh, relieved of her duties. 
for women's basketball? Is it Ooh, time to start yeah. looking at what's next for Wisconsin for men's basketball? Well, on the women's side, I mean, that was just uh, – I mean, it ain't just been atrocious for way too long. So, I mean, I, I definitely Cease understand stone, that. I want to say. I want to uh, say yeah, she was, stone. She was just brutal. You know, I mean, you, you can't win single-digit games and think you're going to, you know, retain your job. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of yeah. coaching. Um, with Greg Gard, I think he's firmly entrenched in there. I, I think he's done a good enough job, especially with recruiting and then getting the best out of those squads um, time and time again. Um, I, I think he's firmly in there. I don't think they're going to move away from him anytime soon. I, I think he's getting to that point where the job is going to be his until he doesn't want it anymore. Um, just because he finds a way to, to, to get recruits that you do not think that he'd be able to get and get the best out of these guys. And, and that's really the Wisconsin way. Dick Bennett did it, but Ryan did it, now Greg Gard's doing it. Yeah, I guess the, the question, the one, I guess the one uh, concern, I guess concern with his job security that I have is he, he wasn't Barry Alvarez's guy. Barry Alvarez kind of got forced with Greg Gard because Bull Ryan leaves uh, when the team's struggling and he comes in and leads him to an NCAA tournament appearance and shocks everybody. So Alvarez kind of got forced to hire him. So I just, I'm just always curious, is Alvarez ever going to – has Greg Gard become an Alvarez guy or does Alvarez in the back of his mind want to say, I want to hire my guy? like he has with football and volleyball and uh, men and women's hockey. Does he ever want to say, I want to hire my guy for men's basketball? Uh, He actually hasn't had a chance to hire his guy yet. The thing with Alvarez is he's also the AD. He also has to look at what prints money. And Greg Gard has has continued to have this team successful to where they print money. So (laughs) why would you get rid of a guy (laughs) who is assuring you NCAA tournament appearances? Because that's really what it boils down to, you know. Um, unless you're a blue blood type of of, of team, a, a program, a, a Duke, a North Carolina, um, you know, teams like that, you know, a UCLA who you know hasn't really been blue blood, you know, winning national championships lately, but blue blood type of program, um, you're judged by NCAA tournament appearances and not so much national championships. So as long as Dar continues to be competitive in the Big Ten, you know, he's won Big Ten titles. He's made and, and make it to the NCAA and win games in NCAA. Uh, continue to pull recruits that he does, and, and these are high-level recruits that he's able to pull. He's going to be firmly entrenched in there because he's doing the job, he's doing it well, and he's printing money. And Alvarez has to realize that. Yeah. Well, if he could somehow pull uh, Baldwin, I think his job's pretty much safe forever. But I know that's kind of nobody oh, yeah. knows for sure what Baldwin's going right now. I know his dad's EW Milwaukee and. I know Wisconsin's after him, Marquette's after him, you know, Milwaukee's after him. So the question is where does he end up going is going to be the question. If guard's able to pull that, um, I definitely think Alvarez would be perfectly fine with keeping him in, uh, without any hesitation then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's smart for him, I mean, I, I wouldn't hinge it all on, on, on getting him. But Alvarez has to look at it from the totality standpoint of it and what prints money. Football is always going to print money because in this country, football is king. But they also have a highly competitive basketball program um, that has had success. And Greg Gard has had a hand in that success in recent years. So he understands what prints money, and he's going to leave them in place. So I think Greg Gard is safe. Now, 
Wojo, that's a different story. Yeah, and I was with the comment about Baldwin. I'm more being kind of funny because if, if Wisconsin is somehow able to pull him in, that would be the huge get. Uh, yeah, he's probably you know he's five star recruit anywhere you look, uh, top recruit in the country, and if they were able to somehow get him, it would be biggest get guards ever got, which would be nice Absolutely. to have, but I don't see it happening personally. I think if he stays in state, it'll be strangely play with his dad, but it, I think he goes probably East Coast somewhere. But So it's always a pleasure, you know, talking basketball with you, uh, talk a bit of college. Um, love to get you on and uh, down the road soon to talk some uh, NFL with the draft coming up and, you know, Packers and whatnot. But where can my listeners uh, find your work? Everywhere, man. Uh, Toss Tristan on Sports <laughs> Show available wherever you listen to podcasts. That means Spotify. That means Amazon Music. That means everywhere you get your podcast, Toss is going to be. And TossNationMedia.com, your home for the Toss brand of sports. Truthful, opinionated, passionate sports is what you deserve. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And uh, with that, with that, uh, uh going to wrap up the show and let you go. And uh, uh finish up a few things uh, on the other side. So thank you so much uh, for coming on and speaking with me. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Keep doing your thing. We love you here at Toss Nation Media. We love being here with you on the show. So I thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. And that was Tristan Thomas. Thank you so much for coming on, talking uh, some Milwaukee Bucks basketball with me. Uh, talking about Tristan on Sports website, uh, TossNationMedia.com, where you can listen to all of Tristan's work with Toss uh, Nation Media. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And now before we do wrap up, as I always do, um, quickly bring you what what beer am I drinking this week. And this show, I am drinking an IPA out of Washington, D.C. from the Adro Theory Brewing Company. Hazy and Pale uh, Imperial IPA. And I, I really do enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I signed up uh, for this app that brings delivers beer to your front door, Tavor. And I got my first shipment today, and I decided to give it a try. And must say, I'm a big IPA fan. And if you are a big IPA fan, I think you will enjoy it. Um, it's, it's really good beer. And I think you will enjoy it. The other one I had today was called Limbo from the Anchorage Brewing Company. That's what I had during dinner to, uh, to drink with dinner. And, you know, I, I, I love the app so far. And I, I love the beer that came with my first shipment. So that is what I am drinking today. So as I mentioned uh, in the intro before my interview, Packers did not franchise tag Aaron Jones. The deadline went and passed. And I've... From all intents and purposes, it sounds like the Packers are still attempting to bring him back, which I doubt. I I doubt they're attempting to bring Jones back. Um, And I think he's going to go on his way. I I just think it's too much money to pay a running back, especially in a year where you're right now over the salary cap. Um, Even when you get under the cap, your money's going to be extremely tight. 
I I just think it's not a smart investment to pay a lot of money for a running back. That that's just my thought on putting rosters together in the NFL. Um, premium positions: quarterback, left tackle, QB one, pass rusher, wide receiver. Um, those are kind of your premium positions, and then outside of that. Kind of depends on which team and scheme and style you look at. Uh, but running back isn't really a position. We, it's more of a, a, position of, a position of luxury than it is uh, a must-have, a high-profile guy at. The Patriots had Leonard Fournette on a one-year contract when they just won the Super Bowl this year. The, the Chiefs are uh, playing a rookie in this year's uh, Super Bowl. The 49ers had uh, Mosert. Uh, I think he was undrafted guy. I just think running backs are a position. You don't need to invest a lot of um, high money or uh, high picks on. And the Packers just drafted A.J. Dillon to plan ahead for the loss of Aaron Jones and or Jamal Williams. So it's a smart move not putting the franchise tag on him because then you just have a player who's not going to be pissed off too. Um, I guess you could have done a transition tag and then try to move him. Um, it's a little bit easier with transition tag to get compensation. You see it happen more often with, with trading to do franchise tag, but you, you just tend to piss people off when you franchise tag them. The last time the Packers used it, was uh, Ryan Pickett in 2010, which ended up working out fine for the Packers. But Aaron Jones, he about to sign his first big money contract, something he's deserved with the last two years he's played in the NFL. And if you have a chance to get your money, go get it. Um, that's just kind of my thought there. The NFL salary cap is $182.5 million, it's looking like, for the start of the league year. And if that is the case with the three million, three point six million carryover from last year, it's looking like the Packers are right now nine million over the cap. So it's looking like they're talking uh, extension with Zadarius Smith, and there's some other avenues such as contract restructuring with Aaron Rodgers, um, restructuring or releases of Dean Lowry and Preston Smith. Um, to, to make some room and extension of Davante Adams as wide receiver. Um, so there's some moves the Packers can make to help them in salary cap restraint. But it'd be interesting to see between now and March 17th, which is the start of the league year, what the Packers do in order to get there. And I will talk more about that in next week's show as that starts shaping up a little bit. So with that said, you've been listening to Talking Sports with Evan. I appreciate the listen, the support. Please subscribe and like um, and rate my show, regardless of whatever platform you're listening to me on, iTunes, Spreaker, Anchor, anywhere podcasts are found. Check it out. And with that, I will get back at you next week. Thank you to Tristan for coming on and talking bucks with me. And thank you to you, the listeners, for uh, your continued support. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.